unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And we have a very special guest lined up for this week's episode. So I'm going to hand it over to you and play a fly on the wall for the rest of this episode. Yeah, that I, I'd love to see how you do that, Nathan, because the world turns its lonely eyes and ears to you today as we explore the red hot topic of trigger happy Facebook posting. So I'm going to address this to our listeners now. I'm going to say you may know Nathan as the producer and my confabulation partner on the Copywriters Podcast. And some of you know he's an accomplished and profitable copywriter himself. But not everyone knows another aspect of Nathan's public face, and that is as a very provocative Facebook poster. His posts trigger people in a way I've never seen before. A lot of them are funny, and nearly all of his posts are thought-provoking. I asked him if he would share the story behind what he thinks and why he does what he does, and he really agreed. So that's what we're going to do today. And right after we do this, copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear, especially on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So Nathan, thanks for agreeing to do this. Well, thank you. I've been a longtime listener and I'm excited to be a guest on the show. <laughs> okay. Longtime listener, first time caller. Um, you seem to thrive writing Facebook posts that polarize a lot of people. Some people love these posts and some people really get triggered. Could you talk about why you do this? Yeah, actually, before, before we jump into all of this, though, I do want to make a clarification. Um, I love social media marketing. I love organic marketing uh, through email and through social media. I find it to be very profitable. I also want to make it clear, though, that just because you get likes and clicks, that doesn't always equal sales. And so a lot of, a lot of social media marketers say, oh, no, you need to, you need to measure the effectiveness off, off of this campaign by new metrics. You, need to, you can't be measuring it based off of how many sales it brought in. You have to measure it based off of how much reach it got or how much engagement it got. Um, I'm a very big proponent of social media marketing. I am not a very big proponent of that way of thinking. I am a direct response copywriter. My main metric, the only metric I measure is sales. And so we're going to be talking about what works for getting engagement. Uh, but I want to make it clear that engagement is only the first part of getting sales in my method. And so um, while we'll be talking about new metrics, 
in my opinion, the only thing that you really should be caring about is is uh, getting sales, and that should be the bottom line. So I just wanted to clarify that before we jumped into this week's episode. Sure. And and so with that in mind, what we're talking about here is not a sales strategy. It might be like a top of the funnel strategy, but it's it's not what puts money in your pocket. It puts a lot of money in my pocket, but it's because I do it from the mindset of a direct response marketer and not from the mindset of a social media marketer. Okay. So um, could you talk about why you write these polarizing posts? Uh, attention. Um, maybe because I was the first child and as soon as my brothers and sisters were born, all of a sudden I had a huge void of attention in my life. And so now as an adult, I have this giant craving for attention. Um, I don't know what the Freudian psychological reasons for it are, but I love getting attention. And uh, as a copywriter, I mean, one of the first templates that we learned for writing copy, copy is AIDA, attention, interest, desire, and action. Attention is the top one. And so like you said, social media is great for the top of the funnel if you can use it to get attention. And we see, uh, we see like the, the beef wars between Burger King and Wendy's where they're flaming each other and all the kids go to school and talk about it the next day or people are standing around the, the uh, water cooler talking about, oh, did you see what Wendy's said to McDonald's on Twitter yesterday? It's attention. And um, it is... I don't think it should be the end result or the thing that we're ultimately looking for, but it is the thing that fills the top of the funnel. Okay. So um, let's take this from uh, the conceptual to the concrete. Could you share some of your greatest hits, some posts that you consider among your most controversial? Yeah. So these are going to be among my most controversial, but they're also going to be among my most effective. The two that I'd like to talk about are the ones that every time I run them, they get tons of engagement. They get tons of responses, but they also bring in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, one of my favorite ones is a story that I tell about when I was in kindergarten and, or maybe it was first grade or early on in school. I, I had to go to the bathroom really bad in class and the teacher wouldn't let me go. And I sat there holding it as long as I could. And I ended up eventually peeing my pants right there in the middle of the classroom. And it was one of the most embarrassing, traumatizing moments. I mean, I still remember it 30 plus years later. And I had to, I got marched out of the class. I got sent to the principal's office. I was embarrassed. All the kids were laughing at me. The teacher was yelling at me. They called my mom. They sent me home. They, 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 first, they took me to the principal's office and they made me switch to these really ugly forest green sweatpants that they found out in the lost and found and made me change into those. And then I refused to go back to class. So they, sent, they called my mom and told her to come pick me up and sent me home. And my dad told me when I got home, my dad told me, Miho, you don't ever have to ask for permission. If you know you need to do something, you don't have to ask for permission. And that was one of those moments where, as even a little kid, it made me realize authority is, for the most part, make-believe. It's a fairy tale. Teachers, I don't have to wait for the teacher to tell me that I can go to the bathroom. And that's a huge thing that resonates with entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are very much of the mindset, we don't have to ask for permission. We need permission from the market, and that's it. 
And sometimes we don't even need permission from them. So that story, it has very little to do with selling. It has very little to do with marketing, but it connects with them on an emotional level. And every time I share that, I get tons of engagement. I get hundreds of shares. And then I end up getting people hitting me up being like, hey, what's this free market squad thing that you mentioned at the end of this letter? This letter was exactly what I went through. I'm a business owner. I really feel like this is probably why I'm a business owner. I want to find out more about this community that you're talking about. That's interesting. Um, so you're, you know, you're telling a, I mean, wow, you know, what a, what a moving story, embarrassing, but like really heartfelt and something anyone can identify with. And there, there are people who, are very compliant and like strong authority figures and like to follow rules. And they probably don't like that story. And there are people who are entrepreneurial and tend to own businesses and tend to be very creative in the business space. And they love that story. Right. Yeah. And, and then another one that always gets a lot of engagement is a really hard learned lesson that I had to learn about business and it came when I was dealing drugs and I'm probably shouldn't statue of limitations is up on this. So I'm not worried about it. But uh, when I was a teenager, we were poor. We grew up in uh, very low income neighborhoods and there weren't very many businesses around. So one of the ways that we made money was selling drugs and we used to go to rave parties and sell ecstasy. And one weekend, the rave that we were going to go to got shut down. So we had a backpack full of ecstasy that had been fronted to us by one of our dealers. And we had no way to get rid of it, but we had to get rid of it. So we were desperately looking for parties to go and uh, offload our product at. And we heard that there was a straight edge punk rock party. Well, we heard there was a party on the outskirts of town at one of the warehouses. So we jumped in the car, headed to the party got there and then we discovered it was a straight edge punk rock party straight edge punk rockers don't drink don't smoke don't do drugs and so we've got a backpack full of product we're trying to push it on all these people they are definitely not our target market and that was one of those things where i realized it doesn't matter how good your park how how good your product is if you're trying to sell steak to vegans it doesn't matter how great your sales pitch is you're not going to sell any steak. And so I use that as an example because it was one of those life lessons. It's not something I'm proud of. It's not something that I advocate. I, I'm actually very uh, clean cut in my own. I don't use drugs the way that I used to. I don't sell drugs the way that I used to. I don't advocate for the use of drugs. But it was a lesson that I learned. And every time I put that one out, a lot of entrepreneurs hit me back and they're like, that was very ballsy of you to make that admission. And I don't use drugs myself, or maybe they do. I don't know. But a lot of times I get people hitting me back and they just say, I can't believe that you had the balls to say that. And I want to hire you because I know that you are willing to be honest and you're willing to say some things that will get attention that maybe some people will disagree with, but you obviously know your market. And I've gotten very, very high tier clients off of that message that when you look at them on the outside, you'd say they'd never be won over by that message. But that's one of my biggest messages. Whenever I send it out as an email or as a Facebook post, I get a lot of response off of it. 
those high-end clients, do you think that maybe they're hoping you have some leftover ecstasy that you're filming? <laughs> That's usually the first thing I tell, hey, I, I don't have that backpack anymore. So I was wondering if I could talk about more. You, you could talk about, we could talk about more of the meme, you know, the one-liners or the two-sentence two posts that you do. A, a lot of them are very sarcastic or ironic, tongue-in-cheek. Um, could you talk about some of those? And also, it seems like some people, when I look at the comments, some people don't get that you're kidding. Um, can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So you're going to run that risk communicating in text. It's just something that happens. A lot of times people don't understand the tone. They just look at the plain words. Um, so yeah, a lot of times my stuff is very ironic, very sarcastic. And a lot of times it doesn't land with people. Uh, but it does land with a lot of other people. A lot of people, especially once they get to know me and they, they've seen my posts showing up in their feed. Can you give an example of some of these shorties? the ones you do uh you know i guess the easiest way to explain it is a lot of times i play devil's advocate or i straw man somebody that i that in marketing we like to do the us versus them and so a lot of times i will sarcastically or ironically put forth a position i disagree with in a way that shows how absurd it is sometimes it'll be cultural sometimes it'll be political sometimes it'll be uh, based off of marketing, a lot of times I like to attack the sacred cows of marketing. Everybody says to do this. I'm going to, in one sentence, propose the same idea and show you how stupid that tactic is. And sometimes people are like, right on, I agree. And I just facepalm. I'm like, you don't understand that I'm totally <laughs> making fun of that. Okay. That, that sounds good. Um, I've, I've, I'm an avid follower of your posts, and I noticed seems like there's three kinds that you do. The triggering ones, which involve a lot of the ones that you just mentioned. The personal reveals, like those two stories about kindergarten and the backpack. And then sometimes, you know, genuine marketing tips, not, not sarcastic, um, but actually helpful little nuggets of ideas that people need to hear. What's your strategy in the mix of what you post? Well, my overall strategy is to keep people engaged. If people don't engage with your content, it disappears from their feed. So my overall strategy is what are people coming to Facebook for? Facebook, Twitter, almost all social media, the number one thing that they're coming for is for emotional reactions. They want to be triggered. They either want to be outraged. They want to say, oh my God, that's so cute. Or they want to say, what? That's so stupid. That's what people go to social media for. So I make sure I provide a lot of that for people. They're not going there for recent Socratic dialogues. Not usually. Uh, sometimes they try to turn stuff into that, but it usually ends up turning into a SHIT show. So um, okay. no, it's not the best place to have big, long, drawn-out dialogues about the deeper meanings of life. Um, they're there because they're bored in line at the bank or they're sitting on the toilet and they want to laugh or they want to get outraged or they want to have some sort of emotional response, some sort of connection with the other people on Facebook. So my main goal with most of my posts is to provide that. Here's something that you can 
consume in five seconds and get an emotional response out of. So that's why I do a lot of the triggering stuff. It gets the attention. It also boosts the other types of posts. Uh, the personal reveal stories that I post, those are basically for bonding. Those are, I know who my target market is, and I don't want to work with people who don't get me as a person. If, if all I do is put out this professional, uh, very clean cut persona on Facebook or LinkedIn, and then people hire me and they pay me $5,000 a month to work with me, and then they get to know the real me. And they're like, oh, I don't like you at all. I don't want to be stuck in that situation. So I want to make sure that through revealing who I am, I'm attracting the people that I'm going to get along with if we start working together. Because for me, I can get money. It's not easy. It's not hard for me to get clients, but it is difficult to get clients that actually get me and that actually like working with me. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. You know, one thing that occurs to me, uh, I understand you want attention. We, I think most of us who are writers do. A lot of marketers do, a lot of personal service providers do, but most people find it's like, it's like clear, it's like really ginning up a lot of courage just to tell one personal story or make, make themselves vulnerable once you do it on a regular basis. Are, are you wired differently or is this something you learned when you were doing hip hop or what? Uh, maybe I, I just, I'm comfortable with who I am and I have a lot of flaws and I have a lot to give to the world and I'm comfortable with both of those aspects of my personality. And I think that we moved past when we were kids, people bought from corporations. We now live in a world where people buy from people and it's hard to do business with somebody that you don't feel like you have a connection with, especially in a client-based service-based industry. And so for me, it's just important. It's something that comes easy to me, but it's also something that I, if it doesn't come easy to you, I think that it's something that everybody should be working on. Okay. That, that sounds good. So now let's talk marketing. We've, we've covered this a little bit. I'm wondering if we could drill down. I think you've mentioned that you deliberately say things that will strongly attract certain kind of prospects and push others away. How, how, how has that worked out? Or could you tell, could you tell any stories where you uh, can sort of take us in the room or take us in the conversation about the people who say, yeah, uh, I, I get who you are. I, I really like your attitude. So different than these, I don't know, uh, branding traffic manager, um, uh, 
you know, serious stimulus consultants or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So again, like I said, I only want to work with people that get me. Um, I'm going to ask you actually this. Mm-hmm. Have you ever written something and had a client say, oh, I'm not comfortable with using that as a promotion? Yeah. Okay. I get that a lot. And I want to make sure that before people hand me their money, they already know, hey, this guy's going to write stuff that you might not be comfortable with, but you've seen how people react to it. So I don't have to fight that battle. I used to be very closely guarded about a lot of my stuff. And when people would hire me, then it was a big battle when I would say, hey, this, this promotion is going to work. Trust me. Oh, I don't know if, if we feel comfortable doing that. Now I can just say, well, go to my timeline. I do this all the time. And this is why you hired me. So it's a lot easier that way. Um, The other thing is I'm very conscious of who my market is and who I want to work with. And there's certain things. I'm a very libertarian type of guy. Um, I believe in free markets. I believe in capitalism. Uh, I'm also a bleeding heart liberal on certain aspects. Uh, I believe in taking care of the elderly. I believe in taking care of poor. You know, we grew up poor, and I, if it wasn't for welfare, I probably would have starved to death before uh, I was able ever able to become a copywriter. So, um, I have conflicting emotions about things, but I know who my market is. And a lot of times, before I post something, I ask, "Is this going to attract the people that I want to work with and repel the people that I don't want to work with?" And I know a lot of my market is. Self-made people, people who pulled themselves up by the bootstraps, people who don't like, maybe they're an employer and they don't like employees that are constantly coming up with excuses or victimhood mindsets, or uh, they don't like sleazy marketers who promise things and don't deliver, or sleazy copywriters who say, I'll have it ready for you next week. And three weeks later, the promo still isn't written. So I try to make sure that when I'm posting, I'm also appealing to the things that I know my target market is feeling. So that's where the direct response aspect of how I manage my social media comes in. Okay, that's really good. I, I, I want to get a little bit to the origin story, and you've already touched on pieces of this. I got the impression early on, you put a lot of thought into this strategy. Maybe even as you were doing it, you, you were still sorting it out in your mind. Could you walk us through your thought process leading up to what you're doing today? Yeah, so there's, I guess, two aspects of this. Number one, when I started Podcast Blast Off, which was my first successful, profitable business, we started off with zero marketing budget. I was coming off the failure of a SAS product, of a, of a previous SaaS product that we had put together. And I had just blown through uh, close to $40,000 on a failed product, and it hurt. And So going into the launch of the new product, we had zero marketing budget. So I said, okay, I need to figure out how to get attention and how to get sales without a big marketing budget. And at the time, Facebook was starting to get popular. Uh, YouTube was starting to get popular. Podcasts were starting to get popular. And so I said, well, these things are all very inexpensive. How can I make these things work for our, for our almost non-existent marketing budget? So that was the drive behind it. The psychology or the meth, uh, methodical 
<laughs> um, plotting behind it is I'm, a, I'm uh, obsessed with psychology. I love reading everything I can about how the human mind works. Uh, I read how cults work. I read how government works. I read how marketing works. I've always been obsessed with how media manipulates people. It's always been something that I've just been obsessed with understanding. And so knowing, going into it, knowing how, how does the media hold people's attention? How does the media divide and conquer people? How do, uh, how do leaders throughout history uh, do it? How do, reading things like uh, Machiavelli's Great Prince and reading things like um, all of these different things, you know, manifestos on tyrants and and I mean, even some of the darker stuff, looking at how Hitler was able to uh, persuade almost an entire country to do some of the most horrible things that we've ever seen done in history. Like, what makes people do this? How do people, how do seemingly well-intending people get completely misled? And I've always been somebody who doesn't want that type of stuff to happen again. So I've always tried to study how does this how does the how do these things happen how do these atrocities throughout history happen and how can we avoid having them happen again and then when i became a business owner and i got stuck in the in the role of marketing um i said oh wow i know a lot of this stuff already i wonder how it applies to marketing that's very cool so uh we've been talking a lot about you which is great that's why i wanted to do this but i'd like your opinion about something else what do you think of the way most people use Facebook, especially for marketing themselves and their businesses in unpaid posts? And what would you suggest they do differently? So this is the number one thing that I would say. And this is the secret behind, I think, why so many of my posts go viral and I get so much engagement and so many sales off of uh, free posting on Facebook. Don't speak for yourself. A lot of people go onto Facebook and they want to talk about their insights. They want to talk about how cool they are, how cool their product is. I have found that nobody likes those things. Nobody shares those things. Hardly anybody comments on those types of posts. And so they get buried by the algorithm and nobody sees them. Instead, speak for your audience. When you're about to post something, ask yourself, is this something my audience would say? Is this something my audience is going to agree with? Is this something that my audience can relate with? And if the, if the answer to that is yes, then your audience is going to like it. They're going to comment on it. They're going to share it. The real key is speaking for your audience's audience. So if I can share something and my audience sees it and they share it, knowing that it's going to make them look smart to their audience, mm -hmm. I'm a pretty well-known marketer. I have a lot of people that come to me and say they're marketers as well. And they say, Hey, I learn a lot from you. And when I post something, they share it with their audience because it makes them look smart to their audience. And then their audience says, Oh, wow, that speaks for me as well. And then they share it. And once it hits that point, that's when things go viral. So speaking for yourself is the biggest mistake people make on social media. Speaking for your audience is a smarter way to go about it. But if you can speak for your audience's audience, if you can say, will the people who share this and their audience sees it, will it be something that that audience will also want to share? And if you can speak for your audience's audience, once that third removed person 
starts to share your stuff, Facebook says, or Twitter says, or YouTube says, oh, wow, people who aren't even friends with this person are now sharing their post. Let's push this into as many people's feeds as possible. This is something that's obviously hitting with people. And that's where I get 90% of the people that hit me up cold. They're not even a friend with me, but they're like, hey, I saw somebody shared a post that you did. And I've never heard of you before, but I wanted to talk to you about writing our next promo. Wow. Um, thank you. I've never heard it explained that way before. I've never thought of it that way. And I, I love it. And I think you're right. And I think it's mighty generous of you to share this, but I'm not sure everyone else knows how to do it. So you may not have uh, endangered your competitive uniqueness that much by doing it. But that is awesome information. I really appreciate it. Well. Um, I, I think we're done. Do you want to go back to being the producer now, or do you still want to be the guest? Can I be the guest and plug something? Sure. Okay. So, uh, I just finished releasing the second version of my own book on copywriting. It's called how to write the perfect sales page. Even if you're not a copywriter, you, David, were gracious enough to do the forward on the book. And I really, yeah, I recommend it. Thank you. Um, it's probably my proudest achieving moment as a copywriter so far. Uh, and I just want to let people know that if they are a fan of the copywriters podcast, and I have been very influenced by you in my copywriting style. So as people read it, they'll be like, well, that seems like something David would probably recommend as well. That's probably why after working with you for so many years, um, you've had a huge influence on the way I write my copy. But uh, if people want to check that out, they can just go to salespagebook.com. And uh, they can find out more information. It's a short, zero-fluff book. Um, it just gets straight to the point. And I've had people come back and tell me that it's 4 x the uh, their ad spend costs. It's, um, they've seen gigantic in- increases on their uh, response rates to things and their conversion rates. And um, it's my favorite template for writing copy. So if people want to check out a rock-solid template on writing sales pages, uh, how to write the perfect sales page, even if you're not a copywriter. And you can find out more about that over at salespagebook.com. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd recommend it too. In fact, I, re- I liked it so much, I wrote the forward. <laughs> and I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you, Nathan. This is really great. If you want to hear more of these, just go to copywriterspodcast.com. That's copywriterspodcast.com. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for having me on as guest. You're welcome. Thanks for showing up. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network. 